And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 111 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with uh, Ale- 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 Alex. Ale- God, what is your name again? <laughs> I just, wow, tip of my tongue stuff. No, I'm here with Andy Baggerly. It's been a while since we've talked, though. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good. It's it's. Did you say it's episode number uh, 111 billion of of the Bags and Brisby podcast? <laughs> what what are we on? 111 times we've sat down and talked for roughly a half an hour about all things Giants and Giants baseball. We have a lot to get into because the winter meetings were last week, and um, hmm. No. <laughs> this is the Matt Whistler edition of the Bags and Brisby podcast. No, no, no. I mean, we'll, we get to talk about what they have done, what they haven't done. Uh, I do want to get into your Buster Posey piece. I mean, you talked to Buster Posey. He's going to be a huge part of the 2021 Giants. So first off, how you doing? Second of all, what's going on? Yeah, doing about the same. Can't really complain about anything given the context of the times. Hope you're doing okay, too. Doing well, doing well, just doing a school from home, which is, it is always uh, entertaining, let's put it like that, you know, to be a a second grade teacher's assistant and a full-time baseball writer, uh, sometimes dreams do come true. Well, you know, I mean, you probably needed to brush up on your multiplication tables. It never hurts, you know. Eight times seven, hey, 56, I'm doing it a lot faster these days. Well, it is common core, and, and what that means is is right now they're doing uh, subtraction and addition, but of bigger numbers, you know, 47 minus 28 and stuff like that. And they're using all these techniques that I really do have to learn for the first time. It's uh, You're learning arrows, you're learning number bonds, you're learning all this stuff. And in some respects, it's great because this is how I did it in my head without realizing it in a lot of instances. But then there are just it's weird. It's not subtraction. It's just a bunch of random tools to, to help kids out. And uh, I, I'm dumb about it. Well, one thing you won't have to do is subtract the current year from 1988 to gleefully figure out the last time the Giants or the Dodgers, pardon me, won a World Series. That's one of the things that's happened since we recorded our last podcast, I believe. Um, yeah, I that's think. right. We had uh, Kevin Gossman uh, uh, come back to the Giants on a qualifying offer, which is a pretty big, might end up being the biggest thing they do this offseason. So, yeah, we've got a few things that we could get into here. Absolutely. Kevin Gossman, it, to me, when I was looking it over, and I, I started writing about this, I think, in August, when I said, okay, it's it's time to 
make sure that he's on the Giants in 2021. And I thought that was going to take a three-year commitment. I thought that was going to take, you know, three years, 40 million, something like that. They were going to have to lock him up and, and cross their fingers a little bit. So I think the qualifying offer is good for him. I think it's good for the Giants. It's going to give both of them what they were looking for. The Giants wanted something for 2021 without that long-term commitment. He wanted to get back out on the market, but he, you know, it's it's hard to sniff at 18 million and change. So even if something bad happens this year, he's a multimillionaire. Congratulations. I think it works out. What bad could happen this year? And, and I guess we only have, what, a week and a half left in this year. So, But yeah, I, I was a little surprised because if, if he did have some multi-year offers out there, which you know Ken Rosenthal reported that he did and have some three-year, like $40 million offers, if I'm him, I take that. That's the way I go because you know that it's going to take time for the vaccine to be distributed, for there to be fans, full fans in the stands again. And every game that owners are going to play, without you know partial or no fans it's going to be a losing money proposition for them so they're i really think that owners are going to do exactly what they did you know this past season and just sort of like hold the football and hold the football and hold the football and try to shorten the season it sounds like spring training reporting dates might be pushed back you know, for health and safety reasons, as well as the fact the owners may want to play fewer than 162 games. And if they do that, then they're going to be right back in prorated salary territory. So, you know, a two-year deal, gosh, that doesn't sound so great either, because there could be a work stoppage with the CBA coming up after the 2021 season. You get to 2023, maybe, and you think, okay, that that's probably a year where hopefully everything's back to normal, and, and they will be playing baseball, and there will be fans in the stands, and Everyone's going to be happy and making money again. And I would just want to backload a three-year contract if I'm him. But, you know, he's betting on himself. He's taking that money up front. He certainly is in a good position. He's in a good ballpark. He likes the Giants. He's even said that one of his motivations was, hey, I, I want Buster Posey to catch me and have that experience too. And as we know, that that's something that uh, will happen. So it turned out good for all parties. But boy, if I'm him personally, I, I'm looking at that three-year deal thinking that's, that's where I'd want to be. I know it is tempting because you can understand it a little bit from his perspective, because if you are a pitcher and you're looking to to have a year and then get back out on the free agent market, the Giants have proven themselves to be an organization that helps pitchers make a lot of money. Drew Smiley made more money than he probably was expecting at this time last year. Drew Pomerant certainly made more money than he, he might have been expecting. Uh, and Gossman, compared to what he might have expected from last year, I don't think he can be too disappointed. So if the idea is to get back out there once again, the Giants have a fairly good track record. And I think we've kind of hammered that Jason Schmidt comparison uh, into the ground a little bit, but only because it works. Like, it's these are late developing pitchers. They have similar builds, similar stuff. They actually are kind of eerily similar. And if you're talking about what Jason Schmidt did after the 2002 season, if he were a free agent in 2003, he would have broken the bank. And I think Gaussman's looking maybe not to break the bank, but just make a little bit more money. And especially without that draft pick compensation hanging over him, it's definitely betting on yourself. I think I'm with you. I think I would have taken the three-year deal from Toronto or whatever, but I don't uh, discourage players from betting on themselves. 
No, and we'll see what Trevor Bauer ends up doing, whether he stays true to his word with a one-year deal. I have a feeling he probably won't. But, uh, you know, and you make a, a really good point about Kevin Gossman. You can only be offered the qualifying offer once. So he would go into free agency again and not have that attached to him. And the team wouldn't have to sort of deal with the negativity of having to give up a, a draft pick for signing him, regardless of whether he, uh, you know, w- what he does this past season, because he can't be uh, given another qualifying offer. I, I will say, uh, physically, they are pretty similar, Jason Schmidt and Kevin Gossman. The one thing Gossman doesn't have is that huge Charlie Brown head. Uh, <laughs> I, Jason Schmidt had the most perfectly round head. And I don't know if you ever saw some of the really wild, crazy Korean comic strips yes. that were coming out around that time. In, in I do. Baseball. I forgot about those. And there was one where Jason Schmidt was was the character Anpan Man, who has this big red, uh, like, brown head. They were hilarious. I even printed them out and showed them to him, and he loved them. <laughs> he seemed like he had a pretty good sense of humor about himself. Is, is that is that accurate? He's the guy who would go to the joke store and, like, buy every buzzer and everything they had. Yeah, he would get people all the time. He'd, he'd get us. He'd get his teammates. He had all kinds of, of wacky little... Uh, gadgets and, and ways to, to get you. Saved his best prank for the Dodgers, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, got, got, sure him, got him. Secret agent Ned Coletti behind that one. Oh, man. I do feel like uh, Gaussman was just the first move you had to make if you were the Giants, and it makes the entire roster better. I do believe that the second thing that you had to do if you were the Giants is make some sort of improvement at catcher. They have done that as well. And so you had an exclusive interview with Buster Posey. Uh, The article published on what is today? Today is Wednesday, Tuesday. And did it publish Tuesday or Monday? I think it was Monday. Yeah, let's. Yeah, I think it was Monday afternoon. Okay. Uh, I do not check Twitter anymore, so I don't know. You know, everything just sort of floats by and comes to me. That's healthy. Yeah, it really is. It feels like I've stopped drinking. Like it's, it's (laughs) I'm not even like, that's not even hyperbole. Like I just, I feel like a different person. I'm laughing more. I recommend it. Anyway, uh, Buster Posey is going to be the Giants catcher. Everyone knew that. I mean, everyone didn't think it was going to be a time-sharing arrangement, you know, especially with the way that Joey Bart hit, but Gabe Kapler confirmed it. Buster Posey's, you know, looking lean and mean and and coming back for the 2021 season. And I think that's a pretty huge deal. Yeah, you know, you look at Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford and all these guys who were a big part of their offensive improvement and the way the ballpark played a little differently and friendlier too. Not just, you know, uh, I I really thought it played a lot different for right-handed hitters being able to hit balls with some authority to that gap in right center. And maybe they're carrying to the point where they, they go off the arcade now. Uh, instead of just being outs as opposed to, you know, not even doubles, but just outs in the past. And we'll see if that, that cloth blocks the archways and if that made the big difference or, or if it was the batter's eye or, or, or what. But you look at the improvement, not just from the Yastrzemskis and, and Dickersons and Solanos of the world, but from Belt and Crawford. And you start to sort of look at what, you know, hey, if, is there a parallel there? Was was Buster in line for the same kind of, you know, improvement. And just watching him in the first spring training, he looked good. The ball was really coming off his bat. It's Arizona, so, you know, everyone's looking good in camp. But I really did have a feeling that Buster was going to have a much better offensive year in 2020. And I even drafted him as my fantasy catcher on my team, which <laughs> turns out not to be the, the greatest use of a pick. 
But uh, anyway, I, yeah, I, I think that he's going to be, you know, a year older, obviously. it's You look at the last time he missed a lot of time was 2011 after the broken ankle. Then he came back the next year and he was the league MVP. But then he was 25. Now he's going to be 34. It's going to be the last guaranteed year of his contract. He's said in the past, and no one really noticed it at the time because it was literally the day that, that spring training ended that we ran the initial story where he said he really wants to be a giant for life. But maybe there will be some opportunities for him to do that as sort of a role player going forward. But this may be the last year coming up where you get capital B, capital P, Buster Posey as the everyday starting catcher for the Giants. And I think if we've learned anything, whether it's Madison Bumgarner or Pablo Sandoval or Hunter Pence, you never know when goodbye is really coming. You definitely know to savor those moments because you know that they're going to be in short supply. So I, I'd imagine it's going to be a really meaningful year for Buster and for all the people who are just devout fans of Buster. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. No, that's a good point. You know, when you look at his 2019 statistics, okay, so he hit 257. He had a 320 on base percentage. He slugged 368. Uh, he had seven home runs, 24 doubles. He played a mean defensive catcher. Uh, that's really good. That's a good catcher. And I think people forget that because you, he's not the cleanup hitter. He shouldn't be the cleanup hitter. He's not the guy who won the MVP. He's not an all-star, perhaps, anymore. But even at that like kind of reduced 2019 uh, effectiveness, he's good. Like He's he's better than Chadwick Trump and Tyler Heineman. I mean, no offense to those guys, but Buster Posey brings something defensively that the Giants didn't have last year. And the offense, even when it's bad, is better than the average catcher. And I, I think people forget that, but he does give a little bit more length to a lineup. I really think that they would have made the playoffs last year. They would have won a few more games with Buster in there just because there was so much unsteadiness in their play in the first couple weeks of the season. And I think a lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, the catching situation being a little bit unsettled. Like you said, nothing against the two guys that they had out there, but neither one of them had much, if any, big league experience. Uh, and then obviously Joey Bart was breaking in uh, the same way. So I really do feel that Buster could have could have provided some more steadiness to that entire group, and you would have seen a little clear cleaner play and maybe a couple of extra wins uh, you know, early in the year that, that obviously could have gotten them uh, into that eighth seed uh, and, and then you would have seen a, a free-for-all against the Dodgers. But, you know, like he said, he, he can't regret it. Uh, if he had a crystal ball and he knew that the season was going to be viable, that they really would have, after intake, had no COVID issues whatsoever aside from a false positive to Alex Dickerson, how they would have been just so buttoned up and, and gotten through the season successfully, then he might have made a different decision. But he can't, he can't revisit that because he had to go with the information he had at the time. And the information at the time was just 
not very much. It was completely unknown. And his motivations were, were, were pure. His motivations were, hey, I got to protect my family. I got to do what's right for my family. And how can you second guess yourself when, uh, when those are your motivations? So, you know, and also good to hear that all of his family's doing well. Uh, the babies are doing well. I could hear Livy in the background when we were, uh, when I was doing my interview with him, uh, uh, sort of, you know, crying a little bit. So yeah, it just a uh, really, you think about the, a year. Wow. You know, you're away from baseball. All of a sudden you got two sets of twins in the same house. You're helping with the distance learning with the two nine-year-olds while, while changing diapers for, for two newborn twins. I mean, that had to be an all-out activity, uh, nonstop activity in the, in the Posey house this year. So we've talked a little bit about how Buster Posey's oldest set of twins, how they were fated to fight Joe Maurer's set of twins uh, <laughs> at some point. Do you think that he got a second pair of twins as like reinforcements to make sure that they best the Maurer twins in whatever sort of uh, apocalyptic battle they're going to have? You know, it's funny. I talked to Buster in spring, in, in February. I wanted to do a story about the hashtag girl dad after Kobe passed away because a lot of people were posting things on, on social media, including Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria. What does it make you feel to be, you know, a dad and to have a daughter and what kind of, what's sort of your thought process about being a girl dad and what makes you proud? And Buster talked about how, you know, one thing that he realizes is it's so easy to bond with your son but your daughter wants the same time with you, you know, even though it might not be doing the same activities. And so, you know, he had a little trip where he went to uh, see his friends with the, the Marucci Bat Company. And he did that in, I think, January. And he didn't take Lee, his son. He took Addie, his daughter. And, and they had a great time, just the two of them, as a little a family bonding trip. And definitely getting her into, into tennis and golf. Yeah, Buster's a big tennis guy. He really, I think, is going to bring his kids along in those kinds of sports. And he has a second set of twins so he can watch them play doubles against each other. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. No, of all the things that this year uh, has not brought uh, uh, to me personally, I could, if you had me pick one thing that I would have wanted, you know, I wouldn't be the movie theaters. It wouldn't be going to the ballpark. It wouldn't be traveling. It wouldn't be anything like that. It would be softball for me because I'm a softball coach. And this was the first year that I was going to coach uh, my seven-year-old. I've been coaching uh, my 12-year-old all the way up until last season. And it, that was great. But at some point now she needs a little bit, uh, better coach. Uh, she needs someone who can, you know, really, who really knows the technique and the technical stuff of softball that I can't teach. So I was back down with a seven-year-old and she's earned it. She's earned that time with me. She's seen me spend more time with the older one on softball, but it's also just like my favorite thing in the world is coaching softball. I just, I love it. And it makes me think that maybe I, I should have been a teacher instead of a baseball writer, because I just love the attention of being a goofball and <laughs> I, I just love it. So that is the one thing that was really for me. So I'm glad to hear that Posey is taking some time and doing the tennis thing and uh, uh, good for him. Yeah, that's a great memory. And, and hopefully you'll get back to, to putting on your, your dad hat and coaching softball again. I would actually show up to watch uh, the Brisbane gals play some softball. That, that sounds like fun. It is fun. I love I love the sport too, and so now I'm I'm like watching the the Southern Oregon University softball team. You know they made the NAIA finals uh, last year, and it was exciting. You know it was exciting to watch the softball. So I love the sport. Anyway, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Matt Whistler for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a segue? <laughs> I just thought that uh, you know I already got out of out of the way my my goals. My goals are all achieved. In my first story about Matt Whistler, I made a Whistler's mother reference, and 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 so we're good. We got that out of the way. 
See, this is the thing. I, before was going on, our producer, Brian, said, you know, oh, you guys can talk about Matt Whistler. Ha ha. And it made me realize that I had never said his name out loud and I was going to botch it. I thought it was like <laughs> Weiler or something. Uh, and Whistler so much better. Whistler is like a good name. This is the opposite of Josh Osich, who before I heard his name, I thought it was Jaw Sausage, which sounds like a Rastafarian meat product. <laughs> and I was just so excited for Jaw Sausage. And it was Jaw Sausage. So, uh, this I'm is pretty better. sure Amy G struggled with that name once on air and, and was beyond FCC uh, guidelines. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, so these are the additions the Giants have made. The Giants have added uh, Matt Whistler. You know, maybe he's the closer, maybe not. You've got uh, Deniel Nunez, who's the Rule 5 pick. Uh, he will probably be as effective and memorable as, as Danny Jimenez, which is to say he, he's probably not going to stick with the team, but who knows. Uh, and then you've got Jason Vossler, who is a minor league free agent given a major league contract to be sort of the left-handed complement to Evan Longoria, perhaps. That's it. Do you think there will be much more or is it going to kind of putter along at this pace for the rest of the offseason? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Vossler's a guy that gives them some depth, but he's also somebody that, you know, Scott Harris, their uh, Giants GM, uh, knew very well from their time uh, with the Cubs. He was, I think he came from the Cubs. The Cubs traded him to get Rowan Wick uh, a couple years ago, a pretty nice bullpen arm. And then Vossler obviously lost a year like everybody else in the minor leagues. And then boom, he's a six-year minor league free agent. And uh, so they're able to strike and get him. And he hasn't been in the big leagues, but he could be one of those guys who surprises. You look at him and he has all those things that that you like. If you're Farhan Zaidi, he's got some positional flexibility. He's got a good strikeout to walk ratio. He's got some power that's been emerging. So I think we've learned you can't sleep on any of these names because we didn't think Mike Yastrzemski was going to be anything special. We didn't think Alex Dickerson was going to be anything anything special. And these guys have turned into really good major league contributors. And in in Yastrzemski's case, one of the top 10 players in the National League last year, I think he finished sixth in the, what, sixth or eighth in the National League MVP balloting. So I think Vossler is a guy who's definitely intriguing. And like you said, the the rule five picks, it's always going to be a long shot that that rule five guy is going to A, stick around very long and B, actually make an impact. I mean, I went through the rule five list of names that the Giants have taken in my you know, 16 odd years covering the team. And I don't think any of them really have really made an impact. So, but still, you know, it's, it's someone new, it's someone new to, to watch. And uh, it's kind of cool how they had these reports on him as a good strike thrower in the past. They had just enough information from instructional league where they saw his fastball was up to 96, 97 miles an hour. So they're like, yeah, this is worth the claiming price. Let's, let's take a Let's take a, a flyer on him, and maybe he'll be the guy that, that sticks after Travis Bergen and Steven Johnson and Danny Jimenez and Jose Capillon and Drew Ferguson and Julian Hernandez and Luis Perdomo did not. It always would drive me nuts when a team wouldn't make a Rule 5 selection. I mean, if there's a roster crunch, okay, I get it. You don't want to you don't want to fill up the 40-man roster with, with players who aren't likely to affect your future team. But at the same time, it's $100,000, which for a team is generally chump change. And just do it and see what you got in uh, spring training. If you don't like what you see, you can offer them back and get $50,000 of that back. Like it, it seemed to me very, very, very low risk, like medium reward. I mean, not everyone's going to be Johan Santana. Maybe they will be. I don't know. Like maybe you can find maybe you can find that bullpen arm that you're always looking for. It seems like it's something that teams should give a shot. Yeah, what I think is kind of cool is that the Giants really hone in on someone who's got something that's different. You know, uh, like Matt Whistler threw his slider 83 percent of the time last year. That's the second highest 
single pitch usage or concentration of a pitch usage by anybody who threw 20 innings last year. The exception was Jake McKee, who's a freak who only throws fastballs. His teammate was Sergio Romo with the Twins last year. Romo only used his slider 60% of the time. So, you know, Matt Whistler's throwing it 83% of the time. It's like they see something in that pitch that's like people know it's coming and they still can't hit it. If anything, they, they want to tell him, hey, throw your fastball less because most of the hits you gave up came on that pitch. Uh, there was a game against the Cubs where he, he threw two scoreless innings, threw 32 pitches, 29 of them were sliders. And what happened? Oh, yeah, he faced seven batters. He struck out six of them. So, you know, this is a guy who's, who's interesting, and he's not even going to cost them very much. And I just think it's really cool to see the process with how they identify people who could be difference makers. And you asked how this offseason will go. I think it's going to be really slow. I think they were surprised that they signed a reliever to a major league contract this early because they know it's going to be a big time buyer's market. There's a lot of inventory out there, but this was a guy who they could get you know, pretty inexpensively and they thought from the right side could, could be a really cool compliment to Tyler Rogers and take some pressure off him. So they pulled the trigger on that, but I'm surprised we're seeing any transactions right now. You know, uh, McCann signs a four-year, $40 million contract uh, uh, with the Wolves of the Mets, right? And, and I'm, how, how are teams doing this now? They have no idea what the revenue models are going to be. They have no idea how many games they're going to play. They have no idea if fans are going to be a part of things or what date fans will be a part of things or to what percentage capacity. Teams have no idea in the National League if there's going to be a DH or not. Probably not, but maybe. So I just think there's every advantage to just wait and not make moves in the dark. I really don't expect there to be much of anything under the the Christmas tree. Probably we're going to see a lot of activity in January. And hopefully it's all, you know, going to be predicated on good news with, with the virus, with the vaccine, with um, you know, getting getting over this awful time we're in right now and, and, and things will start looking brighter for everybody. I let you twist and go on for a little bit, even though I knew that there was news. While you were talking, the Giants made news. They signed Anthony DeSclafani, or they are nearing a deal, according to Susan Slusser. The day that I published, you know, this is not the slowest off season ever. Thank God I got that out. And as we're talking about how nothing's going to happen, the Giants are apparently uh, one starting pitcher deeper. Anthony DeSclafani. How about that? Anthony DiSclafani, an interesting guy. I've seen him with the Reds uh, quite a bit, and uh, they've used him in, in starting and relief and, and never really seemed to figure out what his best role was. But he's always a guy who's a stuff guy, and we know that those are the kinds of people the Giants like to acquire. So if it gets to the stage where someone's reporting it, like especially a Susan Slusser, then I'd imagine that it's that it got some legs behind it. But he's 30 years old, and he's had a nice, nice run with the Reds and gave up a lot of hits last year, but, you know, Certainly a guy with some upside. I wrote about him, let's see, November 16th. And I did, well, wasn't sure if he would be the right fit for the Giants because I didn't know if he was going to get a multi-year deal. He's sort of like on that bubble. He's just a very, very interesting pitcher whose career was like on an upward trajectory. In 2019, he made 31 starts with a 3.89 ERA, which is good. Like a strike, he was striking out a batter per inning also good. And then last year in seven starts, he was miserable, but it's 2020. It's like seven starts. How much are we going to put into that? I have no idea. So I'm glad to see that whatever the Giants were looking at, they weren't as concerned about 2020. And and they're going to look and see if they can do the Drew Smiley, Kevin Gaussman, Drew Pomerantz thing where they build him back up. They have the technology. Yeah, I mean, clearly a guy who falls into that bulk innings bucket. I guess I sort of thought that he was used in relief a little more than he has been. He really hasn't been. 
Uh, he's been a starter pretty much the whole way with the Reds. And, uh, you know, maybe he becomes sort of the analog to uh, Trevor Cahill, what the Giants had hoped to get out of Cahill in 2020. We know that Andrew Suarez is close to signing or, or being, I guess, a deal being worked out with, with the LG Twins to go to Korea. So that's one fewer sort of bulk innings guy the Giants would have on the 40-man roster. And Di Scalfani's from the right side. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what their plans would be for him. So as of right now, we have a rotation of Kevin Gaussman, Johnny Cueto, Logan Webb, Disclafani, and other. So I, I think that there still might be a starting pitcher. I mean, I know Tyler Beatty's coming back, but they, I, I really don't think that they would uh, peg him for a, a huge amount of innings. Right now on Fangraph's roster resource, they have Sean Anderson as the fifth starter. And if that's the case, uh, that, that would be an interesting offseason for the Giants. But Desclafani. All right. So that is something, something of note. I don't think there's been news that's broken on the podcast before. No, I, I I guess not. Although to be fair, Susan Slusser broke the news, so you know we are just parroting it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, this has been episode one hundred and eleven of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again at some point. We are going to do uh, when news breaks. We're going to do an emergency podcast to fix it, and we will be back the next time the Giants make a huge deal. Probably bigger than Desclafani. I'm thinking, what do you think? George Springer, Trevor Bauer? Um, How about both? Why not both? How about both? Why not both? I like that. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time.